my topic is, I don't see it up there, but my topic is, oh, expectations too. <laughs> uh, so for the ones of you that was here on Wednesday night, you know, Pastor Jen taught on expectations. And if you wasn't here, you need to go back and listen to it because it was truly a blessing. Amen. I was listening to it again on Monday night for two reasons, because I just knew that every time you re-listen to something, you get a fresh nugget, amen? But also, I wanted to see what scripture she was going to preach on, she was preaching on, because I did, God gave me that topic two weeks ago, expectations, and it was birthed out of when we was having our conference three weeks ago, and the ministry team was in the back, and we was praying, and that word expectations came up. And we began to pray on that. And then Sister Annie here, she said in prayer, I hear the Lord saying expectations again. So we began to pray on it. And then when we came in for service, Pastor Jen got up and she said, I hear God saying, expect for him to do something on tonight. Expect for him to do something during this conference. So that was just a confirmation, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so when I was on vacation two weeks ago, I was outside and Again, I was going to do part two on prosperity, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit started dealing with me about expectations, and that was two weeks ago, and I began to type in some things and put it on my phone, and that was August the 23rd when I got that message together, and then this past Wednesday, Pastor Jen preached on it. And afterwards, I said, Pastor Jen, look at my phone. I got the same message on my phone. God gave it to me last week. She said, preach on it. Talk on it. Because that's what God is birthing into us on tonight. Amen. Expectations. Expectations. So, I'm going to ask you to open up your minds and hearts. To really receive this, because I'm going in a whole different direction. I'm going to be obedient to God, and I'm just going to say it and give it to you the way that he gave, me, gave it to me. Amen. So I'm just asking you to just have an open mind. I might say something that's a little bit different than what you've heard, but trust me, it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So how many of you are expecting God to do something in your life? How many of you have been praying on it for such a very long time? How many of you feel like, I don't know if I should keep praying on this because maybe God isn't going to, he's saying no about this situation, amen? Well, the definition of expectations is a strong belief that something will happen. A strong belief that something will happen or be in the case in the future. So it might not happen just right now, but in the future, you expecting God to do something. Amen. It's a lot of a lot of times, you know, when I was studying this lesson, I asked God, 
why don't we have high expectations? And a lot of times, I believe that we don't have high expectations. It's because we've been disappointed so many times. We have been, you know, believing the lies of the enemies, believing our own lies, amen? Or we just, so many things have happened, so many negative things have happened in our lives over the time and over season after season. After, it's just hard to expect that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, amen? You've been waiting, you've been praying, you've been seeking God, and nothing seems to be happening. So you're expecting something, and what you're expecting is nothing, Yeah, when you have went through a long dry season of expectations and nothing seems to happen, you are still expecting something. You're just expecting the opposite of what you've been praying for. A lot of times when God doesn't answer prayers the way we want him to answer prayers, we're always looking over our shoulders for the shoe to fall, amen? We always, we get into that negative mode. You know, if we're not careful, we'll get into that negative mode. And we'll say, well, this is not going to happen. This is not coming to pass. So I might as well just stop praying on it, you know. So tonight, and a lot of times, thank you, Holy Spirit, a lot of times we say, I need more faith. Or I don't have enough faith. I'm not, maybe I'm not in prayer with faith. That's what we tell ourselves. How many of you have the gift of healing? How many of you have the gift of healing? Okay. So how many of you have prayed over someone and bam, they were healed? Oh, praise God. <laughs> okay. But how many of you have prayed and nothing seems to happen? And you know that you have the gift of healing because it has worked for you. Either you got healed or someone else got healed. But this particular time, you praying and nothing happens. And what do you tell yourself? You know, sometimes we'll tell ourselves, mm, well, maybe God ain't going to heal today. <laughs> well, God is already healed. It's already been done 2,000 years ago. So we are going against the, what the Bible says in 2 Peter. He said, by he, he himself bore our sickness, sins and sickness on the cross, on the tree. And by his stripes, we were healed. We were healed. Not going to be healed, but we already healed. So if we're telling ourselves it's not for today or it's not going to happen, we're going against our biblical beliefs, amen? Or maybe sometimes we have prayed for somebody and nothing happens and we stand back and we're just looking kind of confused. We're like, God, you're not saying it out loud, but you're saying, God, now, <laughs> what's going on here? Why, why didn't this work this time? Why isn't he, you know, why is this person getting healed? I've done it before. I'm standing there looking confused. Well, let's go to the word of God. I got something for you tonight. If you could turn to 
Matthew 7, 14 and 21. Matthew 17. And just pray for me. I got notes, and I'm not going to go through all these notes, but I need them. Amen. Matthew 17. And we're going to start with verse 17. And just let me say this. As believers, we got the right to expect God to do something. Amen. Let me just throw that out there. As believers, we got the right to expect God to keep his promises. Because in his word, he said every promise is yes and amen. Amen. Every promise. He didn't say this promise is going to come to pass, but this one is not going to come to pass. He said every promise is yes and amen. I'm just going to read, and you don't have to turn here, Proverbs 10 and 24. It says, the fear of the wicked, it should come upon him, but the desires of the righteousness shall be granted. That sounds like expectations to me. We can expect God to do something. And then in Psalms 40 and 1, I love this one. It said, I waited patiently. That means expectantly. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. So even though God doesn't show up when we want him to, he's always on time. He might not show up just at that moment, but he's always on time. He's an on-time God. Because it's already done. Even before we said that prayer, he heard us. The moment we begin to pray, just like in Daniel, the moment Daniel started praying, God heard that prayer. The moment he's not, not, God didn't move next day or the next month or the next year. The moment Daniel prayed, God heard. But there was some fighting going on in the spiritual realm, amen? So it took a minute for him to get to Daniel, but he heard that prayer. So what am I saying to you? The moment you begin to expect God to do something and you're in prayer, God has already heard that prayer, and it's going to come to pass, amen? So in uh, John 14 and 13, this is why we can expect God to do something, because he says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to ex do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. That sounds like we can expect something, amen? That sounds like we can expect our prayers to be answered, amen? Do you agree with that? So why don't we expect God to move? Why are we hesitant to ask God in our prayer to do something for us? Sometimes I think it's because we feel like we're maybe not worthy. Could that be a problem there? Then we need to go to the word of God to find out why that's a lie of the enemy. But Matthew 17, and I'm going to start at the 17th verse. It says, and after six days, 
Jesus taking Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart and was transformed before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his remnant was right as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If thou will, let us make thee three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell this vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, crying, Then Why then say the scribes that Lysus must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elisus shall, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elisus is come already, and they that him, know him not have not done unto him whatsoever they have listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto John the Baptist. And when they came unto the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and so vexed. Oftentimes he's fallen to the fire and into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind cometh out, but by prayer and fasting. Verse 20 And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Now, I ask you at the beginning of this message to have an open mind. Sometimes, is it that it's not that we don't have enough faith? Is it that we are operating in unbelief? And I know that's hard for us to admit because we're Christians and we believe, you know, the Bible. Amen. But there could be times when it has nothing to do with your faith. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures. Just give me a minute. Just let me take my time with this. 
Because this is how God gave it to me. This is how he showed it to me in the script. Because a lot of times we'll say, the reason why it's not happening because I don't have a, enough faith. Or we'll say, I only have, I need more faith. And this is why it's not happening. But I want to just have you to think about, maybe it's not about your faith. Maybe it's about your unbelief. And maybe you're saying to me right now, well, what's the difference? Either I'm in belief, in faith, or I'm not in faith. Maybe I'm believing or not. It's interchangeable. In the Bible, we do talk about belief and faith as interchangeable in scriptures. But in modern English, we say that unbelief is when we use our intellectual mind to accept facts. We believe on things based on facts, and that's what we operate on. If we believe it, if it's a thought, we act on it based on what we believe, Back, based on the facts. We accept the facts that are before us. We accept the things that are told to us with our intellect. That's what modern translation of belief is. Modern translations of faith is trusting and commitment. Faith is trusting and commitment. Belief is intellectual acceptance of facts. Amen? So, when in this scripture, God said, because of your unbelief, we immediately think they didn't have faith. Well, they had faith. They had faith. Because in Mark and Luke, before then, they was going around healing everybody, laying hands on the sick. Mark's, um, Luke 9 and 6 said, the disciples, as they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So before this situation, they were, they was in faith because they was healing. So they had faith. Mark 6 and 13 says, the disciples, now I'm talking about the, the same disciples, and they cast out many devils and anointed many with oil that were sick and healed them all. So prior to this situation, they had faith. They had faith. So why couldn't they do it then? The scripture said because of their unbelief. Well, if they didn't have, if, if they was in unbelief, they wouldn't have been able to heal all the people that they was healing prior to this situation. Amen. Acts 3 and 16, Peter says, Jesus' name has healed this man, and you know how lame he was before. Faith in Jesus' name, faith given us from God, has caused this perfect healing. So that means these disciples was healing prior to this situation. That means these disciples was in faith. But when it came to this situation, they couldn't heal this man. Unbelief. So we have faith. We have this. We are faith people. We have faith. 
We have faith. According to the word of God, we have faith. Just like the disciples was going around healing, they had faith. We have faith too. We have faith when we lay hands on somebody and something don't happen. We still have faith. So when the enemy tells you, you're not in faith, that's why you couldn't heal them, or you're not in faith, that's why they didn't get healed, you need more faith, that's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. We have faith. But what we might not understand is at that moment, we are in unbelief. And that's a hard pill to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow because we want to believe that we believe. Amen. <laughs> we, we, nah, I, I believe God. Well, yeah, you, could, you, you do believe God. But you still got faith. Faith didn't cause you not to be able to heal that person. The ones of you that got the gifts of healing. Faith didn't cause you not to heal that person. And this is why faith didn't cause you not to heal. Because sometimes we'll say we need that faith. We need more faith. We don't have enough faith. But this is why you have enough faith. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, let me find it. Ephesians 2 and 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God. I'm going to read it again. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We used to call that back in the day, saving faith. Because it took faith, and first and foremost, it's the faith that's in Christ Jesus. And by that faith, we believed. So at the time of our rebirth, when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we received him based on his faith, not our faith. He put supernatural faith in us at the time of our rebirth. So you are, if you, now this is basically, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you got faith. You're walking around all the time with faith. Because it's something that you receive supernaturally. It was a divine blessing that you receive at the time of the time that you got saved. So you don't need more faith. Because if you're saying you need more faith, you're saying God gave you faulty faith at the time of your rebirth. And we know that didn't happen. Your faith couldn't save you. If you're operating on your own faith, your faith couldn't have saved you. It was the faith of Christ that saved you. And when you got saved, he imparted that faith in you. And when he imparted that faith in you, by that faith, you believed on Jesus Christ and you became saved. Amen. Does that make sense to everybody? So I'm going to break this scripture down in two ways. Two ways you can look at this scripture. Salvation is not of yourselves because you can't save yourself. By grace, you are saved through faith. And the salvation is not of yourself, it's a gift. Or you can look at it like this. 
That faith that saved you, because it was faith that saved you, amen? That faith that saved you, saved you, is not of yourselves. It is of God. It's God faith given to you at the time of salvation. So when you understand that you don't have a faith problem, because you have the faith of God inside of you. You don't have a faith problem. We can stop walking around saying, I need more faith, because you don't need any more faith. The faith of God is already inside of you. It's his faith that help us lay hands on the sick. It's through his faith. It's his doing. He does it all. We have his faith inside of us that help us be co-workers and partners with him. Amen. So let's look at another scripture here. Romans 12 and 3. And this is why come you need, you don't need more faith. Romans 12 and 3, 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So you already got it. You already got faith. And in some translations, it might say he dealt to man a measure of faith, a measure of faith. Well, you know, I love those different translations, but sometimes they can be wrong. Sometimes you have to use, I go by the one that Paul used, the King James Version. <laughs> That's the one I use. And in the King James Version, it doesn't say he gave you a faith. He gave you the faith. That made all of us equal. If he gave you a measure of faith, that means I can give Pastor Nick a cup full of faith. I can give Mike a half a cup of faith. I can give Annie two cups of faith. But if I say According to the word of God, he gave us the measure of faith. That means we all got the same amount of faith. We all got the same amount of faith that the disciples used to raise, uh, raise the dead, lay hands on the sick, cast out spirits, open up blinded eyes. We all got that same kind of faith. Amen. We all got the same amount of faith. I don't have any more faith than Pastor Nick. He don't have any more faith than me. We on equal equal ground here because God has given to all of us the measure of faith. So you already got faith. You don't need more faith. God didn't give you faulty faith. He gave you his faith. That's why I say you don't have a faith problem because you got his faith. When you got born again, you received his faith. It wasn't by your faith. It was his faith. That's what the word of God just got through saying in Ephesians 2 and 8. It was his faith. You don't need more faith. So when you land before God and you praying and then the enemy gets up and say, well, if you had more faith, this was already. No, 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 no. I already got enough faith. All I need to do is rest in God. 
All I got to do is remind myself who he is and who I am. Because see, that saving faith is the same faith that transformed you out of darkness into light. That same saving faith is the same faith that transformed you into the kingdom of God. That same faith is the same faith that gave you power. The same power that raised God up from dead is inside of you because Christ is in you. So you got enough faith. You do not have a faith problem. When you understand that you don't have a faith problem, then you can expect God to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you might ask or think because you have that power in you. That divine power of God is resting in you. Amen? That same power can move mountains. That same power. So now we have to deal with what? Now that we stirred up and we know we don't need more faith, now we got to deal with this unbelief. Now we got to deal with the unbelief. Because how many of you know now, going through those scriptures, you got the supernatural faith of God in you. At the time of conversion, you have that faith. If you're trying to use your faith, that's the problem. Take the struggle out of it. If you know that you got his faith, then it's up to him. You're using his faith. His divine power, that's what you're using to move that mountain. What mountain do you have on tonight? What is it that you believe in God for? Deliverance? Your children? Finances? What is it? What is it? Whatever it is, you can use the faith that you have, and it'll move a mountain for you. It'll move it. So, unbelief. We're going to deal with unbelief. We're through talking about we don't have enough faith because we got God's faith in us. Amen? We got God's faith in us. Amen? That should take the struggle out of it for you. So now we deal with unbelief. So let's look at some scriptures. Because remember he said to disciples, he, they didn't have enough. They didn't believe. And then the father said in Mark, I believe, but help my unbelief. Didn't he say that? He said, I believe. But God, you got to help my unbelief. See, he was being transparent uh, before God. That's what we have to do. We don't have to walk around and pretend that we believe. When we have doubt, there's nothing wrong with having doubt. We're faith people. We're going to have doubt. Doubt is a natural thing. Doubt is an element of faith, really. Doubt can push you towards faith. It can. So you don't have to worry. We put faith, we, we, we put faith over here for a minute. We're going to go back to it, but we're going to put it over here for a minute. 
And we're going to deal with unbelief. So how do we deal with this unbelief? Let's look at 2 Peter 1 and 3. And, and just let me say this. this. This is just what popped into my mind. Why come I say it's not a faith problem, but it's an unbelief problem? Paul said he was justified by, by the faith of God. He wasn't justified using his faith. He was justified by the faith of God. And sometimes our faith, our unbelief can negate our faith. Our unbelief, I'm going to say that can, again, can negate our faith. We got the faith of God, but that unbelief can negate our faith. And I, I heard someone explain it like this. You have a wagon and you have two horses and both of them are tied to the horses, one going in one direction and one going in the other direction. And they're pulling in different directions. What's happening? They're not getting anywhere. They're not getting anywhere. That's the way it works with our faith and unbelief. We have that faith, but that unbelief that we are operating in, it negates our unbelief. Amen. So let's look at, if you can get 2 Peter 1 and 3. 2 Peter 1, and I'm going to do 3 and 4. And the reason why, while you're getting that, the reason why I said faith can negate, unbelief can negate your faith, is because... You have faith in the word of God. If he said by his stripes you are healed, you believe that. But if you go to Mr. Google and you search their illness and you get enough people on there commenting about they got the same illness that the doctor is saying that you got, you're going to start. You, you believe by his stripes you're healed. But if you start listening to that negativity enough, you're going to get in unbelief. Then you're going to start saying, well, maybe the doctor is right. Maybe I'm going to, if he give you a six-month sentence to die, you'll start believing. It doesn't matter that God has already said, by his stripes you heal. But if enough people on Mr. Google tells you, I, I, I know somebody that died of that. If the doctors say, get your things in order in six months, you're going to be out of here. Because they'll tell you that. They'll tell you that. I know you've heard the story that I told about my husband, Richard, here. He went to the doctor. The doctor told him he had six months to live. A lot of you heard this testimony. We went back in the car. And the word of God says to me to tell my husband, who report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the reporter of the Lord? Or are you going to believe this doctor? We went to the church. Pastor Nick prayed for him. Pastor Ted prayed for him. 
When he got back home, I had already did my homework, and I pulled out tapes, healing tapes. And I set them all up. They were stacked this high. And I said, you're going to listen to these tapes. We're going to listen to these tapes. And we're going to let that word get into our spirit. And we're going to believe whatever God says about this situation. Now, he has prom he's promising us some things. He promised us that you already healed, that he took care of this situation. So we're just going to wait for the manifestation of it. And we begin to listen to those tapes. We begin to pray in faith. We begin to seek godly counseling. That's what we was doing when we went back to the church and talked to Pastor Nick and Pastor Ted. We were seeking godly counseling. We didn't go to Google. Well, Google wasn't even popular back then. We didn't even go to our unsaved friends. <laughs> we believed God. But I did pick up the phone and I called a couple of my friends that were saved. And they began to pray. And they said something. And they said, if it be thy will, oh, uh-uh. I took the phone and I did this. See, because everybody don't understand all the time got the knowledge of God. So when my friend that I love dearly began to pray, and when he said, if it, if it be thy will, because, you, you know, people pray that way. Well, if it's a promise of God, it is his will that we be healed. So when he said that, I took the phone away from my ear where he couldn't hear me. And I started praying scriptures of healing. I said, Father, you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. And I began to just repeat scriptures as he was praying. I was uprooting those words that he was speaking on the other end of the phone. And see, that's why it's so important that we understand and that we get the word of God and we, let, we deposit it in our spirit. So when we are confronted with unbelief, people that's operating in unbelief, it can rise up inside of us. Amen. That's why I said your faith your unbelief can negate faith if you're not careful. You, don't, you got faith. You don't have a faith problem. But unbelief can come when you're hearing a lot of negativity. Unbelief can come when you don't know the word of God and what God says about that situation. Amen. Unbelief will come when you're taking in too much stuff from the television. Amen. When you're spending too much time listening to the bad news instead of the good news, unbelief can come. You can birth unbelief, even though faith is inside of you. Amen? So let's look at 2 Peter 1 and 3. It says this, and I'm just about through. I'm getting there. 18 years cancer-free right here. 18 years cancer-free from a six-month sentence told us to go home and get things together. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to go and plot for my husband's death. Uh-uh. No. 
Not on my watch. No, uh uh-uh. I wasn't about to do that. 18 years later, now he volunteers for the same hospital. He'd been volunteering for that hospital, a walking testimony for 10 years at that same hospital, and the doctors look at him every day. Look at God. They have to look at him every day. For 10 years, they've been looking at him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But that's because we didn't get in unbelief. We already had the faith. So when we did what we were supposed to do, we was then faith began to rise up inside of us, and we walked it out. We walked it out. Second Peter 1 and 3. Second Peter 1 and 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, know the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by, the, by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having Escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Again, three, according as his divine power hath not gone to, we have already obtained his power. That was given to us during the time of our rebirth, amen? He has already given us His divine power, not going to give it to us. All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. What is it that you're seeking again? He's already given it to you. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? What is it that you desire? What is it? There's nothing too hard for God. He's already given it to you. Your faith is used not to move God, but your faith is used as a positive action toward the things that God has already done. So you don't need to, you don't, What I'm trying to say is you don't need to worry. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication, make your request be known unto him. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding comes in. Amen. So everything you need, you already got it. Through the knowledge of God, anything that you need, all things has been given unto you. That's healing, prosperity, wisdom, joy, peace is already given to you. These promises, these precious promises are yes and amen. But you get it through the knowledge of God, through the Bible. And what happens when you begin to get the knowledge of God inside of you? 
What happens? Once you begin to meditate on that word, meditate on it, thinking on it, pondering on it, once you start meditating on it, then, yes, you meditate on it, as Pastor Jen said, you speak on it. Then you begin to act on it. Because once a man thinketh, so is he. So you got to have the right thought pattern. Because whatever is in here, this is what you're going to believe and this is what you're going to act on. Because remember, this is the battleground for the devil right here. So you have to get the word of God. The word of God is a game changer. The word of God will make unbelief disappear. Because once you begin to meditate on that word of God, act on that word of God, then unbelief just dissolves. It just dissolves. And then once that happens, you can start exercising your faith. But you got to get rid of that stinky thinking first. You got to get rid of it first. You got to get rid of the lies by the enemy. You got to get rid of, again, your own lies, your friend lies, your family lies. You got to get rid of that. And once you get rid of that through the word of God, he said in this scripture, beloved, I wish that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul shall prosper. So what's happening when that word get inside of you? Your soul is changing. The Bible says, any man be in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. But your soul is what's become new. Your spirit is what become new, not your soul. Not your body and not your soul. Your spirit has perfect faith inside of it. Your spirit is lacking nothing. Everything you need, because Christ is in your spirit, is inside of you. But it's your soul that has to grow and change. And we do that based on the word of God. When you get saved, you still got the same stinky, thinking, stinky thinking. When you look in the mirror, your body haven't changed. Your body haven't changed. But what have changed is your spirit, man. It has become new. So it's perfect. But as you begin to meditate on that word, speak that word, decree and declare. Remind yourself who you are and whose you are. Remind yourself of the promise of God. Remind yourself what he has given you. Remind yourself how much he loved you. Remind yourself of everything, of his glory, all his attributes, all of that is inside of you because Christ is inside of you. Once you remind yourself of all of that, then something begins to happen. You begin to get that mind of Christ. You begin to think like Christ. And when you begin to think like Christ, your actions change. When your actions change, you begin to believe because you're acting on what you believe. And when that begins to happen, you begin to exercise your faith. Amen? 
So you don't have a faith problem. You have to deal with your unbelief. And you do that through the word of God. And as you do that, your soul, your inner soul will begin to change. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to close with this. This is a testimony, and it's true. Years ago, one of my sisters in Christ desired to be married. This is what she wanted, and she was believing God for it because she had heard God speak that in her spirit. Now, for those of you that don't desire to get married, then this testimony ain't for you. But those of us that's already married, this testimony is not for you. <laughs> it's for those that's seeking to get married. Amen. And so my sister in Christ, what she did was she started expecting for that promise to come to her. And she did something really weird. It was a gentleman in the church, a handsome gentleman, so every, you know, all the females kind of liked him and stuff and everything, and she wasn't the one that you would just look at and, and go, wow, you know, she was a beautiful woman inside and out, but, you know, she wasn't, you know, the girl. But she had a desire and she had a want for that man, and she went to God about him in prayer, and God told him, that's going to be your husband. In the meantime, he never paid attention to her. As a matter of fact, I think he dated a couple of women in the church, and she was not one of them. But she continued to pray. She believed the word of God. She believed it. Mark 11 and 23, it says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever should say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt, that means do not have unbelief in his heart, but shall believe that those things which you are expecting shall come to pass, it shall come to pass. Now, if God is not telling you that that man is yours, then leave it alone. But if God, if you have gotten a direct word from God, which she did, and she acted on it, she believed God when God said, he's going to be your husband. She believed God, no matter what the situation looked like. See, in the Bible, it says Abraham was promised to be what? Father of many nations. And he had some situations going on. He was old. His wife was old. Things probably weren't working properly. But God had gave him a promise. And it said he didn't stagger toward the promises of God. That means he didn't waver. See, you can't waver when you believe in expecting God to do something. You can't waver with it. You got to stand on it. You got to dec decree and declare it. You got to speak it. You, you have to call those things that be not as though they were. Amen. She was calling those things that be not as though they were. So what this young lady did, 
Well, she went out, true story, and brought a wedding dress. She went out and brought a, now that's, that's going against everything that was going on. Because <laughs> again, remember, he wasn't looking at her, and he was dating two other people. But she went out and brought that wedding dress. That's what believing God's word would do for you. No matter how crazy it look, no matter what the naysayers say, if God said, that's what you, that's, that's it, that settles it. God spoke it and that settled it for her. So much so that she went out and brought a beautiful wedding dress. I saw it, I was at the wedding. And then two years later, fast forward, two years later, they were dating, and they got married. They were dating, and they got married and had a little boy. But that's what God can do the impossible. Impossible. For those of us who believe God can do the impossible in your situation. So what I'm saying to you tonight, don't waver. Don't stagger against the word of God. His promises belong to you. Whatever it is that he's promised you, just believe it. Don't worry about your faith. Deal with your unbelief. If you're not, and, and be transparent and be honest about it. The woman with the issue of blood, she expected God to do something for her. Now look at her situation 12 long years, the doctor said, no, not, this ain't going to happen. Probably told, gave her six months too, like she did my husband. This is not going to happen, blah, 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 blah. You know the story. But she, she, the Bible says she heard of Jesus. So when she heard of him, I thought, oh, she heard the gospel coming, passing through. She believed on the word. She believed on the word. And even though she was unclean, even though she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd, because back then, you know, being in the crowd and you unclean and all of that, you could get in some serious trouble. But she was willing to put herself in harm's way because she was expecting something. She was expecting to get healed. She had to be expecting to get healed. Because she wasn't even supposed to be in the midst of people. She couldn't touch people and people couldn't touch her. She had a responsibility to stay away from people. But she took that chance because she was what? Expecting. She was expecting when he passed by that something was going to happen. And it was her faith that made her whole because she was operating in faith because she didn't have unbelief. Amen. She was operating in faith because she didn't. She had dealt with that unbelief problem. Why did I say she dealt with the unbelief problem? Because she was in that crowd seeking Jesus out. You wouldn't do that if you don't, if you're not expecting God to do something for you. Amen. So we have to deal with our unbelief. And I just want to just encourage you on tonight that it's okay for you to think outside the box. Because for so many years, you know, we're here. And we do. We probably do sometimes have a faith problem. 
But I think that faith problem is generated from an unbelief problem. And that is two different things. Remember, you, you receive that divine faith during the time of salvation. You received his faith. It's pure faith. Pure faith. It's that childlike faith. That childlike faith is what moved mountains. That childlike faith is negated based on grown-up folks' unbelief. So that childlike faith can't move mountains if you are dealing with grown folks' unbelief. So trust God. Believe in him. Take him at his word. Take him at his word. He won't fail you. Just trust in him. Amen? Trust in him. Believe him. The, it's an old song that just dropped in my spirit. He's our own time God. Yes, he is. He might not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.